Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. For those interested in additional resources or services, such as the weekly planners, online planners for Chrome or Outlook, keynotes, live training, coaching, or certification, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. Now, when you listen to an episode that resonates with you, we invite you to share it with your family, friends, and team members so that they can experience the same type of motivation and results in their lives. Also, if you haven't already subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. It works on Apple, Stitcher, Google, or whatever platform you're using so that you can get a new podcast reminder each week. Now sit back, let's get started, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you may be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and we are honored and delighted that you would join the show. We have a special guest with us today, his first book entitled Green Beans and Ice Cream, The Remarkable Power of Positive Reinforcement, has garnered rave reviews. Uh, He has built more than 1,000 positive reinforcement systems at firms, including DuPont, Siemens, Coca-Cola, Disney, and holds issued patents in the field. Recently, he formed GlobalSafetyAcademy.org to capture and share best practice, safety, leadership, and culture around the world. Welcome, Bill Sims, Jr. Thank you. Pleasure to be here, Steve. Thanks for having me in today. Oh, so glad to have you. And before we get started, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about Bill He is the president of the Bill Sims Company. For more than 30 years, Bill has created positive reinforcement systems that have helped large and small firms inspire better performance from employees and increase bottom line profits. He is a world-renowned keynote speaker and recently was selected as one of the top 10 speakers by the National Safety Council. And I've been looking forward to this. So let's just jump right into it, Bill. Tell us about your background, including any turning points in your life that has had a significant impact on you and what's led to you doing this today. Well, I appreciate that. Got my start in the uh, early 80s working with Ford, Disney, DuPont, many, many large companies. and, And my passion then was saving lives, improving worker safety. One of the early things that I I developed was, uh, and actually trademarked it, a tool called Safety Bucks. And Safety Bucks went off like wildfire. It was a way of positively reinforcing people for doing things the right way. Wearing your hard hat, lift with your legs, wear your PPE, the, the, the list went on and on and on. So after doing that for year after year after year, learning, you learn from success, you learn from, I think, more from failure, frankly, and then began to craft really what we do today. It it dawned on me somewhere around 2005 that a lot of the things that I was reading in magazines, newspapers, internet, about employee reinforcement recognition, bringing out the best in people was just wrong, plain wrong. And so I I decided, you know what, I'm going to write a book to set the record straight 
That book became eventually what it is today, Green Beans and Ice Cream, The Remarkable Power of Positive Reinforcement. I had no idea that I'd wind up being a motivational speaker. And and that really kind of, it sort of spun out its own life, right? So I began doing keynote speeches, leadership workshops, and all of these things have just been a really fun journey to be on. I'm, I'm glad it's hopefully not over yet. We've got a few more legs in the journey. But today, I'd say there's three things that we really do. And I'll get into those more in depth if you, if you want me to kind of break those down at high level. But the, the beginning was always helping companies change behavior, increase morale, engagement through uh, positive reinforcement. That's the idea. Well, I love it. So how do you do that, Bill? Absolutely. I always say the three rocks in my world are, number one, what is positive reinforcement and why do I care as a leader, as a teacher, as a parent, as a CEO, as a supervisor? What is it? Why do I care? And that is the first rock, which is basically my keynote speech a number of them, uh, the book, Green Beans and Ice Cream that we've mentioned earlier. And I always say to people, you know, we're really, really good as leaders telling our employees and our kids when they do something wrong. Maybe where we need help is telling them what they did right. And my mom figured it out. She said, son, if you eat your green beans, you can have ice cream, right? And so she had no clue what she was unleashing on you poor people. I'm sorry for that. But it, when, when we focus on the positive in people, performance moves off the chart. Engagement, safety, quality, customer service, retention, all these things that companies say they want more of and struggle to get. Positive reinforcement is the energy that drives that. So that, that's really the first conversation that we have with companies through either the book or the keynote. I always say, Sometimes companies bring me in as a keynote presenter. It doesn't happen a lot anymore, but every now and again, it'll still happen. They bring me in and I'm, I'm kind of the one hit wonder, right? Hey, thanks very much for coming in, Bill. We really didn't want to fix our problem. We were just looking for a Band-Aid. We're going to get some other motivational speaker next year. And that's okay. But what we really like or enjoy is the companies who say, you know, wow, we want to know more about positive reinforcement. And we want to create a common language or blueprint for our leadership team when we talk about human behavior and positive reinforcement. So that's really the workshop. That's the how, right? I call it SEAL, stands for Safety Engagement and Servant Leadership. And the, the SEAL course is really designed with a couple of fundamental jumping off points, right? So one is what makes great leaders great? And I know we're going to probably get into that more. And how do you go from good to great, right? And how do you measure all that? So the SEAL workshops really help supervisors develop those soft skills. Tragically, the soft skills, ironically, are the hard skills. And, and so that's the, the, the gap that we, we work to, to fill, right, to, to help fill. So uh, workshops teach me how. And then the third and final rock in my world is the what. So once the company has started thinking about positive reinforcement, using the science and the evidence, not opinions, then they have a very different look at what they've been doing. Hey, wait a minute. Maybe barbecue dinners and T-shirts 
are not really motivating for our team the way we thought. Maybe company logo ball caps are not number one on everybody's want list or bucket list. We need a we need a better way to do this. And so that's that third rock is the what? What are the systems and tools your company needs to have in play to measure engagement, morale, leadership, and positive reinforcement? And we call that that third rock smart card. It is a um, patented software tool, so unique enough to get a patent, right? It's not right for every company, but it helps a lot of companies to fix some of the problems that that they struggle with. Because if you can't measure positive reinforcement, you can't manage it. Okay, so Bill, what have you found are the most effective ways to provide positive reinforcement? Whether you are a CEO, a group leader, an office manager, a team leader, a coach, a parent, what are the best ways to provide positive reinforcement? And then what gets in the way of it? Oh, well, boy, we could be here for hours on that one question. The book is full of what not to do if you're trying to deliver positive reinforcement. So there are so many bad attempts at this. I'm reflecting on, I was at a speaking engagement in, I believe it was Puerto Rico, a young lady on the table next to me was holding her cell phone and she was frustrated and angry and she was talking to her girlfriend next to her and she said, I hate my boss. And I said, I, I listened and she went on to explain it. So I had to introduce myself. I said, I'm sorry, you got to tell me why you hate your boss. She says, every morning I get this text message. You're the greatest. You're the best. I love you. And I said, so what, what's so bad about that? She said, he cuts and pastes that message to every single person in our department. So that's an example of what not to do, right? What I always say, I tell a story um, in my workshop, and for brevity's sake, I'll, I'll just omit the story and give the lesson from the story. There are, I think, at its very basic level, There are three things that you have to do to connect with another human being for it to truly become positive reinforcement. If you don't do all three of these things, you didn't get it right, and you might as well not do it. And the three things are, I know who you are, here is what you did, and here's why that matters. First thing you have to do, you can't positively reinforce people if they don't know you and they don't know you care. Nobody cares how much you know till they know how much you care. That means you got to invest time to learn something about that person. Who's their kid, their grandkid? What do they like to do when they're not at work? So you got to know who they are, number one. And you got to be purposeful and strategic with that. I love it. These are three really important things. Good job. So you need to know the person. Here is what you did or what you do. Is that what you said? And number three, this is why it matters. Let's go through that first one. What have you found really good ways to get to know people better? I love the fact you brought up grandchildren. How about workers? I mean, I I hear many times somebody will say, oh, I've worked next to so-and-so for 10 years. I don't really even know them. So how do you get to know people better? How do you get to know their story? What have you found? And then let's hit these other two. Good job. So, you know, if we're going to stay in that first bubble of I know who you are, 
Um, a good friend of mine, Dr. Charlie, and I'd recommend you have Dr. Charlie on the on the show one day or, or the two of us. We're, we're, we kind of go together like peanut butter and jelly sometimes. But he says, you gotta, Charlie would say, you got to know who's in their back seat. Who's riding in their back seat? Because who's in their back seat is who they love. It could be a pet, like in my case, it could be my my pet, first name Ted, middle initial E, last name Bear. You get it. Um, it could be a grandkid, a pet, it could be, but it's somebody that they care about. So, you know, the questions might be that you might ask are, what do you do when you're not here at work? What do you do for fun? Do you have kids? Are they in little league football, dance class? What do you and your spouse like to do when you're not here? Why are you here? There's a number of questions that you can ask to show a genuine interest in people. And the important thing is when you do that, you need to be taking notes because you got to remember it right somewhere. So knowing who they are is, I think, the first step. Right. And then there's probably there are probably thousands of micro steps, but that moves us to the here's what you did. Right. And maybe before we get to the here's what you did. Another icebreaker is, and I think about Michael, Captain David Michael Abersoff in the book, It's Your Ship. He goes up to these 18-year-old enlisted men and women, can you tell me why you're in the Navy? Now, he's in a ship that he's commanding that's the worst ship in the Navy, 70% turnover, horrible safety performance, housekeeping, a pigsty. And he begins building a relationship with a simple question, why are you in the Navy? Well, my mom's a drug addict. My dad's in jail. It's the only shot I got, sir. So hold on. Here's Commander Abersoft showing a warm personal interest in that 18-year-old kid, hugely positively reinforcing. And then another question you can ask, what are some of the things we, we're doing here at our company that we should not be doing? And what are some of the things we're not doing that we should be doing? And those two questions, if leaders can be humble and be servant leaders, employees will pay you back multiple millions of dollars with what they know that you don't know, because they know that job better than anybody, right? They do it eight hours a day. So um, I, I think those are all, you know, and we get into the, the workshop and more, how do you build that relationship so that you truly do know the people and they know you, Right. And that then moves us to the, here's what you did. Are you ready to go there or you want to poke around the earth? So, you know, I was in Saudi Arabia teaching a class at Aramco, and that's the state-run oil company. They're huge. One of the young 23-year-old grads, engineers, he's obviously from that country. He said, my boss frustrates me no end. I said, well, why? He says, every time I present, he says, good job. Good job, Abdul. Good job. And he says that to everybody on the team. And finally, I went to him frustrated one day and said, tell me why it was a good job. And he couldn't because, frankly, he was zoned out through it. So you have to be able to answer that. Here's what you did. You have to have something specific that they did that you want to point out that, that was done correctly. It doesn't have to be an Academy Award winning moment. It just has to be something they did right. And once we get to that point, here's what you did. Now we come to probably the most important point of all. And that is, here's why that matters. In other words, connect it, 
connect what I did to a vision or mission that's greater than me. So for instance, put it in perspective, if I'm a supervisor and you're a construction worker and I've been trying to get you guys to wear your hard hat and you don't want to wear the hard hat because it looks funny, it's uncomfortable, it's hot, it's whatever. There are all these reasons that people don't want to do that. But if I come over to you and I say, you know, Steve, I really, really appreciate you wearing your hard hat. And here's why. So number one, I told you what you did. You wore your hard hat. And here's why. Because you're going to go home safe tonight to those two little girls and that dear wife that you told me about last week. So now I know who you are. Right. I've demonstrated that. I took the time to know about you. And. I want you to be safe. I worry about you guys at night. So now I've connected the hard hat with a whole higher level of vision and mission before, right? So I think those are the three elements that have to happen. And so sadly, so often, most of the time, they never happen. Let's say, Bill, from your experience, that there's a family member, an employee, somebody on your team that is doing something that's out of order, something that's out of line. It's not fitting. It's out of the norms. How do you set up that conversation and use positive reinforcement at the same time, but address something that needs to be corrected? What have you found the best way to do that so people are encouraged? They take hope. They say, oh, yeah, I can do better. I, I want to make a real contribution here. What have you found works best? I think before you can give negative reinforcement is the the clinical term for what you're describing or coaching feedback, which is a much better way to describe it. You've got to build the relationship. You've got to have multiple contact points where you've told that kid, here's what you did right. I am really proud of you. This is what you did right. And you've dropped a lot of positive reinforcement coins in their mental social bank account, right? And then you can say, Joey, you did a great job with your follow through on that swing. Next time, I want you to do that and do this as well, right? So it is building a relationship with the person through positive reinforcement so that when you do give them coaching feedback, they hear it and listen to it. Now, the problem is with, you know, many people, you'll hear this 15-year-old kid says, hey, dad, 15 years since I've been here, can you tell me one thing I've done right? No, I can't. So there's your problem. We fed them on a diet of negative reinforcement. We've completely, all they got was green beans for 15 years. They never got any ice cream. So it is a blend, it is a blend of, of the two with the emphasis on positive reinforcement, which is proven scientifically a million times better than negative reinforcement, punishment, or penalty. Now, if somebody is doing something that you don't want them to do, you can't ignore it. I mean, there are certain behaviors. If you ignore a bad behavior and you say nothing, you just positively reinforce the bad behavior. But the key would be many leaders default to only negative reinforcement. We call that leave alone zap. We leave people alone and say nothing when they do it right. We zap them when they make a mistake. You have to flip the scenario to where I'm getting positive feedback on what I did right multiple times. 
And so I can handle the coaching feedback because I know you're coming to me as a friend and a mentor, not somebody with a big stick and a punisher. I love your terminology there. How have you found, Bill, is the best way to create a culture of positive reinforcement and positive coaching? How do you do that as a team or an organization? What do leaders need to be doing? Well, the first thing they need to do is understand what positive reinforcement is and is not. That sounds simple and easy, but everywhere I go, it takes me about five minutes to figure out that the leadership team at that organization are not really sure what positive reinforcement is, and they have a difference of opinion. So I think I think the first thing is for leaders to spend some time either, you know, with, with my book or a keynote to really get an understanding of positive reinforcement based on science. And it is very different than what most people believe. Like, so, for instance, to illustrate that, one of the things I can do, I usually do in most any session I conduct is I'll ask, you know, a group of 20, 30, 40 people, whether it's Disney, Boeing, wherever, a simple question. All right, guys, let's talk about the average teenager working at McDonald's, flipping burgers, cleaning out the toilet, making minimum wage. For that average teenager at McDonald's making minimum wage, take yourself out of the equation for a minute, is a paycheck positive reinforcement? And there's three possible answers your audience could give me. You could say, no, I don't think it is. It's just an entitlement. Or you could say, maybe, I'm not real sure here, Bill Sims. I kind of think it depends. It varies from worker to worker. One kid might want to come to work to get the paycheck. Another one might rather be skateboarding or playing video games. And then you could be a yes, I think a paycheck is positive reinforcement. And what I'll do is count hands. And invariably, here's what will happen. About 30% of the audience will raise their hand and say, no, I don't think a paycheck is positive reinforcement. I, I don't. And then about another 40% will say, man, Bill, I, dude, I'm a maybe on this one. I can't make up my mind. I think it depends on the work. And then I'll get usually a minority of people, about 10, 20%. They raise their hand. They say, I think a paycheck is positive reinforcement. Bill Sims, you ought to know, you ought to know the answer to this. You wrote a book about it, right? So uh, before, not to put you on the spot, but I'd love to get your take on it. And I always say to people, your answer is your answer from your perspective, right? Is a paycheck positive reinforcement? No, maybe it depends on the worker or yes. Where would you land, Steve? Yeah, I would say that it's a basic requirement, but it's not what motivates people. What motivates people is where they work, why they're there, and how can they grow? Are they happy there? I think there's a lot more you know, everything else being equal. That's just my perspective. So I appreciate it. And you're right there in in one of the largest groups. That's the ones that say no, right? And then you have the maybes. It depends on the worker. I can't make up my mind. I always like to have a lot of fun with the maybes. I say, now, maybes, let me just let y'all know something. Y'all attend the church of the undecided, just letting you know, right? And uh, that's a lot of fun with the maybes. And then, you know, I have another fun joke with the, with the ones who answer yes. And so then there's this aha moment where I say, well, look, guys, you know, with all due respect, I got to I got to tell you, honestly, y'all got a problem. You disagree on the answer to my question. 
you're all over the map. And if you can't agree whether something as simple and basic as a paycheck is positive reinforcement, how y'all going to execute on a strategy to deliver it? You can't. Dr. Deming says you have to define it to do it, right? So I said, let me get you all out of this out of this session at least and get you on the same page with one another so you can be thinking about this strategically, right? Is a paycheck positive reinforcement for you and every employee on this planet? And here's the drum roll cliffhanger. Absolutely, yes. It reinforces one and only one behavior, getting you to come to work every day. If you don't believe me, I got an experiment we do. Here's how it goes down. We take away your paycheck for two years, and I start standing by your desk counting how many days you keep showing up at work. So now I ask the question again. Is a paycheck positive reinforcement for the behavior of showing up at work? And everybody says, yeah. The next question, though, is the one where we get another aha. Does that paycheck by itself guarantee you're going to give me voluntary effort in the moment of choice when I'm not there watching for safety, quality, productivity, customer service, whatever? And the answer is clearly no, it doesn't. So to get voluntary effort, which is what we're after in the moment of choice, that's what every leader is trying to achieve. And some do. A few do, and most never do, because they're, they're not good enough. To get that requires positive reinforcement, coaching, and servant leadership from every leader on your team. And that's why you got to have a way to measure it so you manage it and hold people accountable. Positive reinforcement is more important to your business than what's in your bank account. Hey, there's so many things we could talk about today. You're right. Boy, we've been having fun here. I wish we had more time. We're kind of closing in at the end here. You've spent much of your life and recognized in the safety world. What are some of the most important ways you've found to get people thinking about safety as a way of life? Safety is such a fascinating place to apply behavioral science. It, it is one of the, the largest, most widespread, successful deployments of the science in business in the field of safety. And that's the other thing that I talk about, the, the idea that Zero injuries is the goal. Actually, we've proven that now causes more people to die than anything else. The goal, as I've said for 20 years, is is beyond zero injuries. So how does that all intersect? What does that look like? How do you go beyond zero injuries? Well, we, we articulate that. And then in particular, safety leadership. What does that mean for everybody in the organization? What is it? How do I do it? If I'm a purchasing agent, a CEO, a supervisor, a frontline worker, turning wrenches, what does that mean for me? And I think helping people see that, understand that, that's really what I I love about SEAL. Not only that the training works, that it reduces injuries, sometimes 40 and 50% when companies embrace it, but it also gives us a wonderful better way to think about safety than the way classic safety is perceived, right? Safety is boring until somebody gets killed, right? And then it becomes very important. Well, how do we make it so that it's important all the time? Okay. 
Final tips. Any final tips you'd like to give to our listeners today? It's been a great discussion. Focus on the positive things of those around you and your family, your your home family, your work family, and focus on the positive things that happen today and celebrate those yourself. It's okay to tell yourself that you did this right. You may be the only one that ever will, right? And so don't get cocky or arrogant, stay humble, but but look for the positive. I believe if we if we look for things positive events to be grateful about, it will make us better human beings and happier. So I'd, I'd say that's my tip for the day. Wonderful. Okay, how can people find out about what you're doing, Bill? Real simple, two websites. Greenbeanbook.com is where they go for the book. And then to learn more about my work, they can head to Beyond zero injuries.com just spell out z-e-r-o beyond zero injuries.com on that note it's been a pleasure being with you and all of these wonderful folks steve may life bring you lots of ice cream yes okay well good and thanks for joining us today bill sims jr sim jr right is it an s yep s-i-m-s there you go hey bill sims jr been a pleasure to have you with us. We wish you the best in all that you're doing. And to all of our listeners, we're so grateful that you join us today. We admire you. We're grateful for you. Your desire to become your best, that spirit is so transformational in itself. So we wish you a great day and the best in all that you're doing. This is Steve Schallenberger signing off. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Your Best podcast. If there was something in this podcast that you felt would be helpful for a family member, a friend, or even a coworker, we invite you to share this podcast with them now while you're thinking about it. Also, remember to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Now, for additional resources and tools, such as how to join our monthly peak performance coaching program, or how to get certified as a trainer or coach, or schedule a workshop or keynote, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. So thank you for listening and have a wonderful day and a great week.